0: If you saw a delicious-looking humanoid, would you take a bite? And then we traveled to Kansas City, Missouri, to take a look at a tragic accident that happened in front of a packed arena. When professional wrestler Owen Hart died during a wrestling stunt, no one had any idea that his soul would be forever trapped in the place he feared the most. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio I'm your host Jason Carpenter I'm having a great day I hope you guys are having a great day too I hope you guys are having tons of fun I hope you guys had an awesome weekend We did the live stream, the 5th anniversary live stream on YouTube Friday the 23rd. It was a lot of fun. There was a glitch, and there was a glitch that caused some people to just stare at a blank screen for a while, and the real action was happening in the other link. I apologize for that, but it was a lot of fun. It was a three-hour live stream. I'm trying to get it uploaded to the podcast. Uh, The file is so big, and the website doesn't want to take it, but we'll get it up there somehow. We went through and talked for three hours about all sorts of stuff behind the scenes, things going on in past episodes of Dead Rabbit Radio, as well as many, many curious questions that were thrown my way. But if you weren't able to join us for the live stream, you will be able to listen to it at your convenience. But someone who never glitches out walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Grant Woohoo, Yeah! we <laughs> Walking on in to Dead Rabbit Command. Grant, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. I really, really do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. If you do support the Patreon, you get ad-free versions of the episodes as well as access to the Discord. Grant, let's go ahead and get this party started. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopi. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command, drive us all the way out to a little boy's bedroom. Nice, leisurely drive through the country. Specifically, we're headed to the state of Kansas. And we get there and we see this house and these palm trees. I don't know, are there palm trees in Kansas? There's a tree in the front yard. Wind's kind of blowing the leaves around. We're walking up to this dude's house. We're peeking in the window. And we see a family in there. We see a mother and a father and a little boy. Now, this boy at this time he's five years old. He doesn't give. It, he's not five years old telling the story, right? He's telling the story now that he's twenty, but he remembers back when he was five years old. He didn't give his real name. We're gonna go and call him Michael. He's hanging out with his family, and then they go, Michael, it's time for you to go to bed. And he's like, but, mommy, daddy, what about what about the people in my room? His parents are like, Michael, we told you multiple times there are people staring in through the window. There's a lot of them, and it's kind of creepy, but they're not in your room. There's nobody in your room except for you, which is where you should be right now because it's bedtime. And Michael's like, no. And he walks into his bedroom, and he gets under the blankets, and he shuts the light off, and he goes to sleep. And he knows there is a chance. It doesn't happen every single night, but there is a chance that these two strangers are going to enter his room again. Every so often, Michael said, every so often, he would wake up in the middle of the night, and he'd see these two humanoids standing in the room. He said they were short. They are about three feet, two inches tall. There's actually nothing about it that's super specific. Maybe he had one of those measuring tapes by the door that they have at convenience stores to catch burglars. Three feet, two inches tall, with yellow eyes. That'd be creepy. As someone in your room. (laughs) I guess really anything in your room that's not supposed to be there is creepy. But give it yellow eyes makes it even creepier. And this might be a first. This might be a first in the... Great pantheon of cryptids or aliens or whatever these things are. I can't think of anything else that looks like this. Three feet, two inches tall, yellow eyes. And he said their body, all of it, it is just like one giant piece. That It doesn't say they were wearing clothes or anything like that. Their body was granola. They look like walking granola bars. But people, like the gingerbread man. Which I know what you're thinking. Clearly, (laughs) clearly you would eat them, right? If a guy walked into your room and he looked like he was granola, he's like, no, those are just my scabs. I just had a horrible accident. You're all um, um, nom, You look like granola, therefore you are granola. He said they were made of granola. And I'm imagining like those yummy, chewy granola bars. That you can buy like twenty to a box, not like gross granola, like in those oat and honey, nasty hippie granola type stuff that's all flaking and it hurts your teeth. I'm talking about like real soft, chewy granola. <laughs> they have chocolate chips. They have chocolate chips for their military uniform, driving their spaceship. We don't know what these are. These could be alien. These could be some sort of weird, cryptid granola people. These three foot, two inch tall granola people with yellow eyes standing in the darkness, and he goes. They looked like they were made out of granola. They had lumpy skin that made them appear that they were granola. A granola-based species. Now, you would go, Jason, just so you're clear, <laughs> there's a huge difference between looking like granola and being granola. There's a huge difference. I could paint you a picture of a granola bar. Are you then going to eat the painting? No. No. You're going to look at it, and you go, oh, that's just a picture of a granola bar. Where's the real granola bar? What did you base this painting on? Did you use a model? And that's what you would think, right? Maybe they just look like granola. And Michael's reaction to these things were always the same. He would see them, and they'd be standing in his room, and he would either roll over. He was terrified of these guys, right? He didn't want anything to do with them. He's only five years old, so what really can he do? Uh, (laughs) Just take a bite. He'd roll over in his bed or close his eyes really tight and wait for them to go away. These granola people would stand in the darkness and just watch him sleep. And every single morning after this happened, he would wake up and he'd be like, Oh, Mom, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened. And they're like, let me guess. Let me just take a guess, Michael. Granola people showed up in your room. He's like, yes, please believe me. I'm having such a hard time sleeping. How easily could you sleep if a granola man walked into your room? (laughs) Dad goes, pretty easily, because they don't exist. If you told me it was a ghost, we'd hire an exorcist or something. If you told us it was something real, like an alien, we'd set up security cameras. But there's no such thing as granola people. They just don't exist, ever. They never have. And they're taking all of his gingerbread books. They're like, this stuff has polluted your mind, young man. No more gingerbread man stories for you. This would happen, again, like I said, not every night, but it would happen more frequently, more frequently than it's ever happened to any of us. It would happen. And he'd wake up, see the granola people, go back to sleep. Next morning tell his parents his parents wouldn't believe him. And he goes, one day, he found proof. He found proof that the granola people had been there. Now, he said that these granola people, despite the fact that they were humanoid, you know, they had a head, shoulders, arms, and legs, their hands... Imagine the gingerbread man. Imagine the gingerbread man standing in front of you right now. How many fingers does he have? None. Because he's the (laughs) the gingerbread man. He's like, I gotta eat my fingers for energy to escape the fox. He doesn't have any fingers. Neither did the granola bar people. Their arms ended in, basically, if you look at a granola bar, a soft, chewy, delicious granola bar, how it's just a rectangle, that was their arms. There was no fingers on the... (laughs) You just told us the thing didn't have any fingers. Are you that hungry? You keep talking about wanting to eat gingerbread and granola. Just tell us they had no fingers. Anyways, they had no fingers. Their arms ended in these rectangular nubs. Like the gingerbread man. Michael wakes up one morning and he goes, oh man, um, I don't remember seeing the granola people last night. And actually that begs the question, how often did these guys show up and he didn't wake up? Like he can only tell you the stories of when he woke up and saw the granola people standing by his bed. There's probably some nights he's like, oh man, I was playing T-ball all day today. I sure am tired. I <laughs> sure he use a little energy. He's all staying up just so he can eat some granola, people. And then they're not there and he falls asleep. But then they show up. Then they show up. He can only tell us the stories of when he was awake. Anyways, he goes, one morning I woke up and on my bed, like on my bed sheets, apparently, were two sets of what he could only describe as granola man handprints. So since they didn't have any fingers, you didn't see like a traditional handprint. But if you took two giant granola bars and you pressed them into the bed. And you would leave like a little greasy stain with little bits of granola left behind. Do that right now. That's your science homework for this episode. Go out and buy some granola bars. Press them as hard as you can against your bed you wake up you're covered in ants you're like ah this isn't an alien experience at all it's torture and there were two sets of them because there's two of them they each have two arms so he saw these two greasy rectangular marks on his bed and there was a bunch of granola as well a bunch of granola pieces chunks on his bed right where those handprints were And he said, like, before, you know, you'd wake up, you'd see the granola people in your room, you'd get terrified. But now he's actually able to analyze this evidence. He said it was super disgusting smelling. He didn't compare it to any particular smells. But disgusting smelling chunks of granola... In this greasy rectangular pattern, four sets of it on his bed, as if the granola people were pressing down really hard on his bed sheets. It'd be kind of disappointing, right? Double edged sword, because on the one hand, you have physical evidence now that the granola people are visiting you at night, but you also know they're gross, like you can't eat them. Because had he one day said, you know what, I'm taking a bite. Ormp. They probably wouldn't have tasted that good. <laughs> I'm just saying if generally if something smells disgusting, you're like, well, that does offend to my nose, but maybe my taste buds will have a different opinion. They probably tasted gross. Well, he finds these disgusting pieces of granola on his bed. They're super smelly, and these huge greasy stains on his sheets. And he goes to his mom and his dad and he goes, Mom, Dad, you won't believe what happened. And he's like, it's not just the granola people. I know you guys don't believe that. Come into my room. They left evidence. So the parents walk into the room. Michael is pointing at the greasy stains. And the granola chunks. And he goes, clearly. This is the work of the invaders into my room. Like, Smell it. This is disgusting. <laughs> Smell my bed sheets. Smell my bed sheets. They're gross. Look at all this crumbly granola. And his parents go... Have you been eating in bed? You're just eating granola in bed. Quit making these stories up. And he's like, But no, smell it. Smell the granola. And they're like, We're not going to smell what <laughs> we are sure is delicious granola. We're not going to smell it. Clean up your bed. <laughs> Get rid of all that granola in your bed. There's no such thing as granola people. So even after finding these giant greasy handprints, well, just their rectangular blobs, right? Re- rectangular things and pieces of granola, they think he's eating in bed. He's eating. <laughs> so it's so funny if you think about it. You're like, let's, let's, the parents just sit down for a second. And they go, let's see if this really makes sense. Our son is scared of granola people. <laughs> His favorite snack late at night is granola bars. <laughs> like, obviously it's not him eating in bed. Also, that smells disgusting. But he goes, my parents never believed me. Never believed me. And this went on for three years. From the age of five to the age of eight. Every so often I'd wake up in the middle of the night. The granola people would be standing in the darkness. But eventually the family left that house. They ended up leaving the state. They moved somewhere else. And he said... The granola people followed me. Michael goes, listen, it would be really easy to chalk all of this stuff up to the overactive imagination of a five-year-old boy. But I saw these things all the way up to being a teenager. Like this was not some sort of imaginary friend, anything like that. These are real entities. (laughs) I I was at the prom. I was at the high school prom dancing with my baby. And I see in the corner, <laughs> the corner of the room, I see two little uh, granola people swaying back and forth in the corner. I finally stayed up all night long, got my research paper done. And I go, ah, time for some sleep. And then <laughs> they're laying down in his bed. They're making it all gross and smelly. He's like, oh, no. Now i got to stay up even longer and clean my sheets. He said, I saw these granola people up until my teenage years. Now he's 20, so I'm assuming... Maybe he stopped seeing them at 15, 16. Technically, you're a teenager till you're 18, so it may have only been two years since the last time he saw the granola people. Maybe they're coming back. We have cryptids or aliens, or whatever they are, made out of snack food, which completely blows, which completely blows the lid off of everything, because it could also be if you, I don't know if these creatures are normally granola-based. Or if they're simply taking the form of America's favorite lunchtime snack. But imagine like what this could do. We've covered stories before about uh, ghosts or demons or whatever taking the forms of like cartoon characters and being like, come here, come here, little girl. There was one where that was my Mickey Mouse impression. Come here, little girl. They were trying to get her to walk into the television set and Donald Duck's like, whack yeah, come over here. <laughs> Come over here. You know, because who can turn down a voice like that? You're like, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse had me a little bit on the fence, but come over here, little girl. Donald, I'm going with you. If you could do that, take the form of a cartoon character or an Easter bunny. We covered an episode recently about a dinosaur wearing an Easter bunny outfit. I'll put it in the show notes, obviously, because you're going to want to listen to that. Imagine if you could assume the form of sentient food. Like, if you woke up in the middle of the night and there was a gray alien rummaging through your dresser, you're going to hit it over the back of the head with a baseball bat. But what if you woke up in the middle of the night and it was an Oreo? Like, there was an Oreo floating in your room. A giant three-foot-two-inch tall Oreo kind of floating in the room and it has arms and it's going through your dressers. You're going to be confused. You're not going to... Want to hit it? You might actually want to go and take a bite out of it, which <laughs> actually, now that I think about it, if someone says, "Hey, we'll give you a, give you an option," I can either hit you with this baseball bat or eat you. I'll be like, "Okay, take a swing with the bat." I'll take that. Maybe it wouldn't be a good idea, but I think it'd be confusing. You wake up in the middle of the night and there's a can of Chef Boyardee SpaghettiOs rolling across the floor, and you're like, "What? Huh?" And then. <laughs> I don't know what he couldn't even rummage through a dresser, just rolling around. Alien's like, ah, oh, this probably wasn't the best disguise. Probably should have arms, or you know, anything other than just be a tin can. You could appear of all sorts of stuff. Red vines, delicious red vines. Now that I think about it, these things would get eaten very quickly. It's a bad disguise. So, what are the granola people though? Is it there actually a race of aliens or spirits that look like granola bars? Is it a disguise? Because I think the one thing we can say is this isn't just a childhood memory gone wrong. He experienced them for so many years, up until the point where he's waking up in bed and he would see granola people standing in the darkness of the room. Like, that's not childhood fantasy. That is either a real event or a delicious mental illness. But we don't know. And then you imagine like he hasn't seen it for the past couple of years, but would you feel comfortable dating? Would you feel comfortable like getting married and having kids knowing at any point? Like you're sleeping there with your wife and all of a sudden the granola people are in your room and now she's part of it as well. I don't know if I could live a normal life and invite other people into it. If at any point granola based entities would be watching us have sex. And then you realize they're really into it. They're like, man, we waited a long time for you to get laid, bro. They're giving each other granola high fives. You're like, I can't concentrate. This is horrible. I can't do this. Bizarre phenomenon or tasty, tasty insanity. We do not know. But Grant, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world famous carpenter copter. Catch him. We're leaving behind Michael's house. He's getting it on as the granola people are enjoying it a little too much. Fly us out of here and take us all the way out to Missouri. <laughs> we're headed out to Kansas City, Missouri. Specifically, we're headed to Kemper Arena. It's a huge professional arena. can hold over 19,000 people. Everyone in town knows it. They have everything from basketball tournaments. (laughs) Jason, you read a Wikipedia (laughs) page. You just read some Wikipedia page. Well, let me just give you a little background on the Kemper Arena. Everything from basketball tournaments, the NCAA, they're doing stuff there. They're like, Final Four, you did it, goal. Everyone's dancing around. They had political events there. They had like a Republican convention there. They're like, vote for me. And everyone's like, yay. And also home of local sports teams. It's like arena football type stuff. It's not like the NFL or anything like that. It's a couple of hockey teams, probably like a softball league. And currently, currently they call it the High Arena. Also, currently it's the ongoing host of the American Royal Livestock Show. So if you want to see a cow and a horse at the same time, that's where you go. But most famously, <laughs> no chase the NCAA, whatever you're going to say, the, those games are more famous than this. More infamously than all of those put together, on May 23rd, 1999, it was the home of the WWF. Ding, ding, ding. Come on in. In this corner, we got Big Galoot. And in this corner, coming in, Sting. Ah, Beating each other up, stuff like that. Hitting each other in the head with anything available. (laughs) Picks up a pipe wrench and smashes this dude's brain in. May 23rd, 1999, WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, was having a pay-per-view event there called Over the Edge. May 23rd, 1999, Over the Edge pay-per-view is going on. And at this event, we're about to meet a wrestler named Owen Hart. Brother of very, very famous wrestler Bret the Hitman Hart. Owen got into the industry and... WWF goes, you well, you know, we don't wanna tell people you're actually Brett's brother. Even though even though that would be a huge gimmick, right? It's a family business. We're not gonna do that. We're gonna turn you into a superhero. You like superheroes, right? No one's like, I I guess, I guess. Well, now you are one. You're the blue blazer. And it was this stupid wrestling gimmick of reportedly Owen hated it, hated being the blue blazer. Because he was like a superhero. He had a mask on. You weren't supposed to know who it was. And he had a cape. And he was a buffoon. As the Blue Blazer, he was this buffoon. I guess originally he was called the Blue Angel. They shifted it over to the Blue Blazer. And he was just kind of a goofball wrestler. People liked him. He won some matches. He lost some matches. But I've heard that he was not a fan of the gimmick himself. And he stopped doing it. He stopped doing it. About seven years prior to 1999, he finally was like, I don't want to do the Blue Blazer anymore. Takes my mask off. He begins wrestling as Owen Hart. But in 98, they say, hey, you got to start doing that Blue Blazer thing again. He's like, come on, man. It's been seven years. Do I really have to do it? They're like, yeah, everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. Nobody did. There was a few people who liked it. But anyway, so now it's May 23rd, 1999, and he is the Blue Blazer once again. And he's going to be in this wrestling match, this over-the-edge wrestling match. And the people, the brain trust at WWF says, tell you what, Owen, got a great idea. We're going to hook you up to a harness, and we're going to lower you into the ring like a superhero, like you're flying down. And Owen's like, you're not a huge fan of heights, honestly. Not a huge fan of heights. I've done this stunt twice before. I get hooked in the harness. I have a guide rope that I kind of lower myself down with. It doesn't look as heroic. You've never seen Superman holding on a rope for dear life. But it's safe. And WWF, I don't know exactly who was making these decisions. I don't know. I'm not going to lay it all at the doorstep of Vince McMahon. I don't know if it's the television producer, the guy putting together the event or what. But they go, Owen, oh, we're going to have you hooked up to this harness. You're going to be lowered into this ring. You've done this stuff before. And Owen's like, yeah, but I've never done it this high. It's in this massive arena, right? Well, you're going to do it. It'll be great. So he gets up there in his stupid blue blazer costume. And he's hooked up to this harness. And he's like, oh, guys, this is uh, cool and all. But where's my safety rope? Where's the rope that I'm going to hold on to that, you know, if something terrible happens, I then don't. I don't know, go over the edge of this scaffolding and plummet to my death. And they go, we don't have the guide rope for this one. This time, we're just going to have you lowered down into the arena. He's like, what? And we thought it would be funny. Someone at WWF thought it would be hilarious, which actually this would be funny if it worked Because you're a superhero, but you're also a total buffoon. You're going to be lowered into the ring, but about 10 feet off the ground. You're accidentally going to undo your safety harness and you're going to fall and hit your face flat on the ring. He's like, uh, I, don't, I don't like this gimmick. This gimmick's dumb. I don't like being up here. That sounds terrible. I mean, you're just falling 10 feet onto your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be hilarious because you're a buffoon. So he's up there in the scaffolding, in this blue blazer costume, has this harness on. And because he has to do... This stunt where when he's 10 feet, instead of majestically landing in the ring, he has to fall flat on his face. It's a quick-release harness. So once it's triggered, it's gone. The harness just opens up, and you'll fall right in her face. It'll be hilarious, says the man who's not about to fall on his own face. Now it is time for the dramatic appearance of the blue blazer as he's going to slowly be lowered into the ring to begin his match, and people look up and they see Owen Hart dangling from this rope. And in front of thousands of people, flashing lights, screams and cheers, the energy of a live wrestling performance going on all around this arena, the safety harness breaks. Some people say it was a mechanical malfunction. Some people say Owen Hart accidentally triggered it early. But this entire crowd of onlookers, as well as his colleagues, watch in horror as Owen Hart plummets 78 feet down towards the ring. Now, this was this was not a practice. This was a live performance. This was an... I think it, was, it wasn't at the very beginning. It wasn't at the very end. You're like, Jason, isn't that called the middle? We... We're watching it on pay-per-view. I remember I went over to Josh's house. I think I was a little bit late. Josh, huge wrestling fan. My buddy Josh, we talked about him before. We used to go ghost hunting together. He was watching over the edge and it was broadcast quote-unquote live. I think there was a bit of a delay. And I think I got there right after it happened and Josh was like, dude, own heart just fell. They didn't show it. This has actually been a, a key lost media thing going on because they're like there is zero footage of him falling not like i want to see it but there are people who do want to see it it's been lost media now for almost 30 years at this point what 24 years there's no video footage from people like pirate recording in the audience there's definitely been no official footage released but they just cut away And started showing, if you watch it at home, you could see the audience reactions to what was going on. There's no footage that's ever been released, uh, despite all the cameras, of Owen Hart actually plummeting down and hitting this mat. There's footage of medics attending to him. There's footage of crowd reactions. And there's footage of the commentators, the color commentators, sitting ringside. But he plummeted 78 feet to this ring. And what was super interesting, I was doing research on this. I wanted to make sure, because I know not everyone listens to or watches wrestling. Originally, I was just going to tell the ghost story part of it. And I like, go, oh, there's probably a lot of people who don't know about this. should tell everyone, apparently, as he was falling... Because this was, again, an active... People were walking around. There were other wrestlers and a referee in the ring. You had the people sitting ringside to do the commentating. And all of these people moving about... This was an active performance going on. Owen Hart's last words as he was plummeting down, seeing all these people underneath him, was, look out. Even in his last moments, he was being selfless. He knew it was over for him. He wanted to make sure he didn't hurt anybody else. I mean, that would have killed you. Because he died. He ended up passing away later that day in a hospital blunt force trauma all over his body but you had people kind of going about their business walking around rough skin stuff ready you have and you're not expecting a 250 pound man to plummet 78 feet towards you his last words were look out some people were there like some of the workers were there they were like you know getting their paperwork together their script and all that stuff and other people had to be like oh my god he's falling And then he would look up and you'd see him hit. It wasn't like everyone was watching this thing. People were distracted. This is just a day in the life of a wrestler. Not the death part, but these wacky stunts. But Owen Hart hits the mat, dies a few hours later. There was nothing they could do to save him. And, controversially, they continued the wrestling match. I remember watching the pay-per-view with Josh and... There were two wrestlers. I forgot who it was. I don't know if it's Triple H or what, but it was two. It was a guy and a girl, and I don't think it was Triple H, but anyways, this guy and this girl, and they were crying, and he's like, yeah, but we got to, you know, this is really sad, and we hope Owen the best because they didn't know if he was going to make it at that point. He ended up not making it, but they're like, he would have wanted us to continue this pay-per-view that people have paid $50 for, and we don't want to do refunds. They continued the rest of the pay-per-view and those things are like about two hours long and he died towards the beginning it wasn't the very first thing but if my memory serves me it was like what in the world what in the world you're going to keep wrestling on this mat where this guy just plummeted and died but they did they kept it going and there was a lot of controversy over that Now, here's the thing. That is a very well-known story. I'm a fan of professional wrestling. I phase in and out of it, right, as much time as I have. I don't have a lot of time to sit and watch it. But when I do find these pockets of time, you know, like a month or two or whatever, where I'm a little bit on my downtime, <laughs> basically I haven't really watched it since I started doing the podcast. But I would watch it pretty re- regularly for a couple of months and then kind of go out of it. And then a couple months would pass. I get back into it. I really do enjoy professional wrestling. For the sheer physicality of it, I compare it to ballet. Like the stuff that they do and the form, the physical form they have to maintain. Do these stunts? It's impressive at the very least. And I like, I like watching people get punched in the nuts too. That's pretty funny. People get thrown out of rings and chairs hit over their head. It's all fantastic. So this was a story I was super familiar with, but I was not familiar with this next phase of it. I found this story very, very recently. About the ghost of Owen Hart. To this day, employees at Hyvie Arena, like I said, that's what it's known as today, they have seen the ghost of Owen Hart. And this should really send a chill down everybody's spine. Like, if this ghost story is true, this is one of the creepier ones, and I think it's terrifying on such a metaphysical level because they see the ghost of Owen Hart in the rafters. A man who, many say, was afraid of heights in life is now stuck in the rafters. Of the place that he plummeted to his death. His soul. His ghost. Trapped up there. His ghost is spotted up in those rafters. And to add insult to injury. He's dressed in his blue blazer costume. A gimmick he thought was so dumb. He was a goofball. He was a buffoon. He was a superhero who was clumsy. He had gotten rid of the gimmick for seven years. And now for whatever reason, he had to start wearing this costume again. And now he's wearing it, even death. But he's looking down. I mean, like, if you have a fear of heights, this is what I'm getting at. If you have a fear of heights, you may go, well, you know, I don't want to fall. I don't want to climb up that ladder because I might fall. I might fall and get injured. I might fall and die. But what if you knew for a fact that you have a fear of heights, you die in a height-related way, you will forever be standing on that precipice? Your ghost is precariously balanced, looking down at Oblivion. Like, that's what's terrifying about this story. He's trapped up there in a place that he never wanted to be in the first place. Now, you could argue, and I think there's definitely a, a argument for this, that this is what we would call a psychic recording, that the ghost of Owen Hart isn't actually trapped up there. What it is, is there's a theory that some ghosts, well, are sentient. You can communicate with them. Those are the souls of the dead. Other ghosts are just a mere recording of an event. So he may have been up there, and he may be so overcome with fear, so much anxiety seeping into the area that what we are seeing is not actually his soul, but a mirror image of him from all the emotions that he was going through. That's definitely possible in this case, but there are other interesting details wrap it up like this. One is that employees think that the arena is haunted because there will be a lot of power fluctuations in the area, in the Kemper or the hy arena lights will flicker. They'll seem to get drained out at certain points in the arena and the idea is is that Owen, and this is typical ghost lore, we see this in other ghost uh, encounters, Owen is actually sucking the energy out of the building, out of the electrical grid to be able to manifest himself. That's why when people go into haunted locations they go my battery drained right away. The idea is is that there's a paranormal force that is feeding off the energy to manifest either physically or psychically in the area. Now a A psychic image, an afterglow of a particular person where you can't interact with them, that does not suck away energy. That's like leaving a thumbprint. That's like leaving a granola bar print. It's there, whether or not you're walking around with four flashlights or not. You may not see it every time, but it's still there to willingly drain. Like that takes sentience to say, I want to manifest, so I'm going to begin to tap into the... Power supply, I'm going to tap into all available forms of electricity and I'm going to manifest. That does take sentience. If if these two parts of the story are true, that would mean that the ghost up there is actually Owen Hart. And he's trapped. Trapped in a place he didn't want to be in life, now he's there forever in death. Imagine if the way that you die is the way that you're trapped. Which would suck anyways, it doesn't always happen, but we do see that in enough ghost reports... That if you die that way, you may be trapped in that form and in that location. You can plummet to your death. And now your ghost... It would be one thing if the ghost was haunting the ring. Was haunting where he fell down. It'd be one thing if the ghost was haunting the hospital that he died at. It's not. It's haunting... It's haunting the rafters of a super tall arena. And he's trapped up there. And that's what makes it even scarier. He didn't want to be there. He had a of heights. He hated that costume. Now he's trapped in the blue blazer superhero uniform, precariously balanced on this rafter way up in the air. Also, two conspiracy components to this story. If you're a big believer in predictive programming, if you're a big believer in the fact that sometimes these things happen for a reason, and I don't mean for fate but the fact that you actually may have some sort of mechanism controlling things behind the scenes. First off, let's take a look at the name of the event. It was called Over the Edge. And really, it culminated in a man... Well, I guess he didn't didn't fall over an edge. Technically, he was already off the ledge and being lowered. But again, it's an odd coincidence, right? Over the Edge is the name of the event. This man, Owen Hart, plummets to his death. This wasn't the first time they used the name Over the Edge for one of the pay-per-views, but it was the last. They stopped using that name after this event. Another thing, I'm actually adding this part in after I've already recorded the segment because this was the episode that I recorded for the live episode. I do a live recording Sunday mornings for the Patreon members. A lot of you guys show up and listen in while I'm doing it. Nikolai Mishkin, he was listening to the segment this morning, and he had a bit of information that I was able to go online and verify. There is a YouTube video of this, because like I said, there's no video footage of this, but there is audio footage from a broadcast in Spanish. They were doing a Spanish broadcast, Spanish language broadcast of the event, and there is a recording from that. So what happened was, if you guys aren't familiar with wrestling, they have these entrance theme music, things like that. And a lot of times in wrestling, it's not just a the theme music. They'll show clips from previous matches. They'll kind of get you hyped up. And a lot of times they'll have this little promo package where the wrestler is actually saying like, this time, Sting, it's going to be you who ends up in a body bag. Oh, and they show like the wrestler doing all these crazy jumps and they show Sting hiding in the corner, wetting his pants. And this is a way to get the audience hyped up. From the audio broadcast that was recorded on the Spanish language channel. You can hear Owen Hart's. Because don't, they don't actually show the body hit the ground. But you can hear Owen Hart's entrance promo package playing while he's entering the arena. While he's being lowered in. And right after he plummets into the ring and hits the ground... You clearly hear the promo package say, and it's an Owen Hart's voice. He was the one, this was his entrance, so he's the one who cut together this promo. After he hits the ground, you hear Owen Hart's voice say, Why me? And, and what's that what that is in reference to is because that would just be weird, right? That he falls down, he plummets, he actually impacts the ground, and then you hear his voice over the loudspeakers of the arena go, Why me? What it is, it's a clip from his promo package where he's talking about being a superhero and he's talking about, you know, why me? Because the WWF needs a superhero and I'm willing to clean up the streets. That's kind of what the context of that is. The way it played out was after he hit the ground just seconds after the impact, you hear Owen Hart's voice play over the loudspeaker, "Why me?" And I'll have that uh, audit. That'll be in the show notes. You'll be able to check out that audio clip. Nikolai, thanks for bringing my attention to that. I didn't didn't know that. Does it mean anything? So here's the thing. like, It just sounds like a cruel coincidence. But this is where you do start getting conspiracy theories. And, and WWF, WWE is full of weird conspiracy theories. I almost might do a whole episode on them. But um, yeah, coincidence? Was this some sort of Illuminati sacrifice? Was this some sort of predictive programming Probably not. I'm not leaning towards that, but I thought those were interesting details that um, just show how just bizarre this story is. It's a tragic story, but once you start adding the paranormal parts and the conspiracy parts to it, it just becomes even creepier. Let's go back to the whole Owen Hart thing. I do find it absolutely terrifying that Owen Hart could be trapped in the place that he hated the most in the guise in the uniform that he disliked and that's how he is forever. And it really makes... Should make you cautious. Should make you cautious. <laughs> Some may argue. It could make you paranoid when you are getting ready for the. You know, we always had that thing when we were kids, we were putting our clothes on, and our parents would go, Are you sure you want to go out like that? Are you sure you want to dress like that as you're walking out the house? And you would go, It's my, my world, Mom. I can dress how I want. I'm <laughs> dressed, dressed up as a granola man." <laughs> I go, Now it's time to break into my neighbor's house and terrify him for decades. Um, imagine that now the next time you're getting your clothes on, I think parents shouldn't say, are you sure you want to go out like that? They should say, do you want your ghost to be dressed like that? You want to be walking around like that as a ghost when you die, when you die tonight, kids? Death is around every single corner. It may snatch the life out of you right now. Before you leave the house, you may go, is this the clothes that I want to haunt the earth in? Before you go to work, you go, can I imagine my soul being trapped here for eternity? So maybe that's something to keep in mind if you're not particularly paranoid, if it's not going to ruin your life in any way. Maybe that is something to at least keep in the back of your mind. What you do throughout the day may be the last thing you do. And you may be haunting that location You may be wearing those clothes. You may be standing in front of that death for the rest of eternity. You could be high on a precipice. You could be deep underground. You could be sitting in a job you hate. Or standing out in nature. Maybe it's something you like. Maybe it's something you enjoy. You don't always have to die in a depressing place. But just be aware that where you die may end up becoming where you spend eternity. So choose wisely. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.